Welcome to episode 64 of the Business in Morocco podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how businesses can recover quickly post-coronavirus once the confinement ends, which we hope and pray happens on May 20th. Um, we have five points to discuss today, and the first one is that every business needs to remember that the customer is king. Ryan, what does that mean to you that the customer is king? Well, businesses need to recognize that without customers, they have no reason to exist. And so the people who want your, your products and your services and are willing to give you money for it, you need to respect them. Even if you feel like you're the best around or you have a monopoly, things can change. And if you take it for granted or you treat people poorly, else to come in and replace you. And so businesses need to be humble in that way and recognize that those who are offering them their money need to be treated very well. And this brings to mind, like I'm a, a real estate investor. And so even in the investment real estate, I see the people who are renting houses from me as my customers. And so I am offering them a, a service, which is a, a house to live in, and they're offering me their money. And so I want to make sure that they're, they're happy and satisfied with the place and treat them, treat them very well because their rent check uh, pays for my business. So a lot of customers don't have this mentality and uh, it's, it's problematic. Yeah, I have two examples of this. What it means when you have customers king. One is Amazon in the United States. Uh, people may not know this, but when when Jeff Bezos and his leadership team, when they have meetings, they always leave one seat empty in their meetings. And it's a symbol for the customer, right? You leave a seat empty. Mm -hmm. And so that everyone in the room is reminded, what would the customer think about what we're talking about right now? And, you know, the best example is if you have a problem with a product, they just let you return it. And they don't really ask you a lot of questions. If you say, I never got my product, then they refund it or they send you a new one and they don't really ask a lot of questions. Now, if, if it becomes a pattern of a problem, you keep on returning items or items are lost or stolen, then they will change the way that they do business with you. But in general, they just tend to believe you that there's a problem. They just want to have the best customer service possible. So Amazon would probably be one of the best examples in the world for the customer's king. Constantly trying to do more for the customer and make it a better experience. On the other hand, you have an example that, that I'm going through recently here in Morocco with uh, my daughter's school. And as everyone knows, since the confinement, all of the schools have been closed. So we as parents have been acting as the teacher, as the guardian, you know, the daycare for the children. So we're taking care of the kids, we're watching them, we're teaching them, we're doing all of the homework assignments with them. And maybe like once a week for half an hour, they have a, a Zoom call with their teacher. So needless to say, the school is not exactly providing the service that they have provided. 
And yet the leadership of the school has decided that they're going to charge the exact same tuition. So I'm the teacher, I'm the school building, I'm the printer, and I am the yard duty watching the children as they play. And yet the school wants me to pay them the same amount. They're not even offering a gesture like, hey, in solidarity with you during this crisis, we're going to reduce the fees by 25% uh, for this last trimester. Um, I think if they did that, they would have a lot less complaining. But as it stands right now, as far as I know, there is a large group of parents that are not going to pay the tuition at all. And we are in that camp right now. We are not paying the tuition and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's a negotiation. For some reason, they think that we are not a customer and that they can, they don't need to do anything to encourage us to stay customers. Yeah. So they're going to find out really quickly uh, whether or not their, their plan is right. Uh, and if their waiting list is real, yeah. I think post confinement, they're going to find out that all these people they had on a waiting list, they may just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're talking to people that are hurting financially. And so there may have been people pre lockdown that thought, yeah, I want to send my kids here to school. I've got the funds, but now their, their income has shifted or decreased and they're not as likely to invest so much into their kids' education or they just, they just can't. So customer is king is important at any time, but the reason why it's so crucial now is because there's gonna be a shuffling of market share and coming out of, uh, coming out of this lockdown, the businesses who apply some of the principles we're about to share have an opportunity to, to gain more market share. And so those businesses that kind of just rest back and think, oh yeah, they're, they're confident in their loyal, the loyalty of their customers, I think they're gonna be really surprised. You know, related to the school, anyone who is thinking about possibly shifting their kid, this is an opportunity for them to say, well, forget it. I'm not gonna pay the third trimester. There's only a few weeks left in school anyway. I'll just put my kid into a new school next year. This would be the catalyst for them to, to switch. Normally, you have the, the, the cost of but when you think about the savings you'd have paying that third trimester, it'll cover that, that reinscription fee or that, that new student fee at a new school. So I think a lot of parents will make the leap. And if there's some smart school administrators out there, they would be doing advertising saying, are you unhappy with your school? Are you thinking about a change? We're going to waive the admissions fee for uh, the September enrollment. Yeah, right? that's right. All right, let's talk. So that's number one. The number one step to recovering well post-coronavirus is to remember that the customer is king. Number two is pivot your business in terms of products and services to meet the new economy. Ryan, do you have a, an example of that? Yeah, so you think about what you have as a business, what are your assets? You know, what are the, the resources that you have? What are the skills that you have? What are the, the, the knowledge that you have? Can those resources be redistributed or redeployed to offer either a new product or a new service or a new delivery method? Can you shift your business somehow to be profitable in the shifting market demands? So, you know, Ryan, you've, um, You've talked about the, the masks. You've got a, a tailor 
that you're connected to who you know normally repairs clothing and produces clothing and now he's producing masks you know two months ago there was no market for this but here's a guy who knows how to work with fabrics he knows how to sew and there's a brand new product that's in high demand and it's probably only temporary eight months from now he's probably not going to be selling a lot of masks but using his skills using his fabric using his sewing machine he's able to create a brand new product and capitalize on this opportunity there's factories in morocco that are now producing respirators that were doing other products before um, there's i saw a drone company that adjusted their their um, structure so that they could do sanitizing of public streets you know, they can fly over public areas and, and spray sanitizer. So these businesses are recognizing, hey, this is a new environment. What are the resources that we have? How can my skills and products be kind of redeployed to capture new opportunities? Absolutely. Uh, my brother actually works for a, a large manufacturing company in the United States. And in a matter of weeks, they started producing hand sanitizer, which is sort of amazing transformation because they were making other liquids, bottled liquids, industrial things. And overnight, they just started making this brand new product in mass quantities at a very high quality, specifically for the target customer of large organizations like hospitals, health centers, you know, big companies that want to buy this stuff and have it at doors and have it available for people um, to maintain um, health. And, you know, that's an amazing transition, but they were able to do it because they're a private company and they have a lot of good employees. So pivoting to, to meet demand in the new economy, I think you're going to see a lot more delivery. You're going to see a lot more online commerce. You're going to see a lot more um, remote work. Um, you're not going to see as many large gatherings, maybe uh, retail space is not going to be as needed in the future. But in terms of your business, you just need to look at the products and services that you're offering and talk to customers and try to meet uh, their needs in new and innovative ways. Yeah. And we've given a couple examples, but uh, you know, it, it, it nicely plays into to our step number three for recovering during this crisis, recovering from this crisis, which is digitize. You may need to pivot into the digital market. If you had a physical store or a restaurant where you provided your products or services, you need to get online. It's just something you should already be doing during this confinement. You probably don't have anything else to do. You should be creating a website, creating a social media footprint, and you should be offering your products or services either online or you should be doing delivery um, at home. Have you thought much about this uh, digitizing? Yeah, I think this has been something that, and all the resources, all the technology has been available for years and years and years. And I think there's tons of companies and entrepreneurs who have known, ah, I really should, you know, that would be good going, but things have been working, things have been good enough. And so people haven't made the leap, but this has definitely provided the incentive 
it's like a catalyst for a lot of individuals to digit. They may never go back. So you think about something like a, an educational institution, whether it's a, you know, a language center or a full on university, they're doing, they're trying to shift to offer courses via zoom, keep their students learning and paying. And, you know, this has been something that's been around forever, but some have been just very slow to embrace. Now they recognize they have to. Now, when, things open up again and we can meet together and have classes in person, there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that keep both options available is going to have in-person classes. And of course there's advantages to that, but by also offering online courses, they can open up their, their market. They can have people paying customers from all over the place. And if you know, if I say, well, I would love to, to take an online class, but, or sorry, an in-person class, but this semester I'm just too busy. I want to do it on my own time. And so I'm going to just do it remotely, save myself the commute, save myself the time, save myself the hassle. I'm willing to trade off the quality that I would get. Or there might be students who do a combination of in-person and online classes based on the subject. You know, certain subjects require discussion, certain subjects, uh, you might need a lot more um, help from your teacher and others, you're just basically listening. And so it doesn't make a huge difference whether you're seeing the person talking or just uh, watching them on a screen. So I think it's going to be a combination. Same thing with gyms. You know, my wife's gym is offering classes now over Zoom, but it's taken them seven weeks to pull the trigger on this. I haven't heard about City Club, who's the biggest gym in Morocco offering online courses. I haven't uh, heard anything about it, even though I'm a member there. So, you know, at what point are they going to say, look, we can't just uh, keep our doors shut indefinitely. We need to offer this online. And then once that's an option, they can have both come in person if you want or stay home and, and take an online class. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that has not been fully grasped, here in Morocco is this idea of the inspired buyer. One of the reasons that Amazon is so successful is because it offers the customer immediate gratification. They go on Amazon, they see a millions and millions of products, they add them to a cart, they buy them and they're like, okay, two days from now I'm gonna get that. But it's like people are inspired in the moment immediate gratification, they make the purchase and then it's done, they don't think about it anymore. For example, I need a new car battery. I would love to just go on a website, add it to a card, click it, pay for it, have it delivered to my house and not have to deal with it. But places like Bricomo and uh, Brico Deco, these, none, none of these places offer any of this. And so now they're gonna lose a sale. You know, I'm gonna go locally and find it. You know, and calling a store, I don't, I mean, people just don't like to call stores. You know, it's difficult to say where you live and send the localization. And so being able to take advantage of people who are ready to buy yeah. is the future. And I'm seeing these ads on my Instagram feed for like Marcia Express and superhanut.com 
where why not? Why can't I go on Marjan or Carrefour and basically have the same experience on my phone? Like all the products, I add them to my cart, I pay, and then I get it delivered like that day or the next day. Mm -hmm. That experience is not yet here, but it's happening and smaller entrepreneurs are, are making it happen. And I think that that's one of the ways that you're going to see digitizing uh, these companies digitize and, and innovate to, to meet customer demand. The other one that we have talked about is, is Dabadoc mm -hmm. is being able to do a virtual medical appointment, you know, which is great because I hate going to the doctor in Morocco because I have to sit in this waiting room for two, three hours, which is utterly ridiculous and a waste of time. But if I can have an appointment at a time, I don't have to leave my house. I can talk to the doctor. They can write a prescription and send it to me digitally. And then I go to the pharmacy if that's what I need, or if I need to, do, to have a follow on an in-person appointment, then great. But there's a lot of time that's wasted going to and from the doctor, sitting in a waiting room, completely inefficient. Um, and, and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff needs to be out of the economy, you know, going forward, that type of inefficiency and waste. Yeah. Agreed. And so you think about the medical industry going forward, it should be a combination of in-person and online. This has provided the catalyst and probably has really increased on Davidoc. And now going forward, some people might say, look, I know what I've got. I just need a prescription. So I'll just use Davidoc. Or uh, I'm not that sick. I don't want to risk going in in person to um, expose myself to all the other sick people in the waiting room, or I don't want to waste all my time sitting in the waiting room. But then there'll be other times where it's like, look, this can't really be done online. The doctor needs to touch this, feel this, really inspect this, or like swab this or whatever. Then there's the in-person option. So, so many businesses going forward are going to have this combination. Right. So if we want to succeed coming out of coronavirus, many of us need to think, how do I offer a digital version of my product or service? Yeah. And if you're one of our listeners and you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't own a business, like I'm a student or uh, I'm a, an employee, like how does this apply to me? Well, you know, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and there's a website called freecodecamp.org. And I'll put this link in the show notes. You can essentially get trained to, to code for free. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's like two or 3,000 hours of effort to really become a proficient coder. But you can get that for free from your home on your computer. And when you come out on the other end, you will be able to work for almost any company in the world from here in Morocco. And so when you talk about digitize, we're not just talking about businesses digitizing their products and services. We're talking about people going from employee sitting in an office to an independent contractor or an auto entrepreneur or an employee who works remotely from their home on their computer. And coding is gonna be needed for a long time. So yeah, it's not going again, anywhere. Freecodecamp.org. We will put it in the show notes. And if you're looking for a job of the future that is going to be sustainable, that's going to be profitable, 
and you like computers and you like building things and you're interested in software is definitely something that, that you should look into. Mm -hmm. All right. Step number four to recovering well post coronavirus is find new ways of reaching and engaging customers. And Ryan, you, uh, you mentioned something, uh, an observation you had uh, on the streets recently. Can you talk a little bit about that regarding advertising? Right, so this, this parallels well with, with Digitize. Right now, if you've spent any time in the major cities on the streets, you'll find billboards that are empty. So all this, the streets are covered with these billboard advertisements, but right now, most of them are empty meaning that the, the, the monthly subscription or whatever has expired and no new company has decided to invest in putting up a new billboard because there just isn't the number of eyeballs out there. There aren't enough people on the streets walking or driving around. So in order to reach customers, companies need to think, okay, well, how do we get their attention? They've got to go online. They've got to digitize. So in the past, people might have noticed a billboard. I, I've always questioned the effectiveness of much of that type of advertising for many, many products. Um, but now a lot of businesses are going to make the leap with advertising to create content and to try to target customers where their attention is, which is on their smartphone. So advertising on the social media platforms and even Google Google ads to try to get customers attention through the internet. That's going to be a huge shift. Um, another thing that's really uh, an undeveloped market in, in Morocco is customer relationship management. We've talked about this before that there's businesses, large companies that we frequent regularly and they have no way of contacting us. So the companies have a, had a very passive mindset, which is kind of, we, we've, got a, we've got a brick and mortar store and we expect customers to come in to us. We have no way of initiating the interaction with the customer. We have no way of contacting them. So you've, you've mentioned on this episode, uh, some of the, the, the bricolage stores. These are huge multi-million dollar companies. And I've been multiple times to some of these places and they've never once asked for my details. They have no way of contacting me. They've never gathered any information about me in terms of my, my email address or my phone number, but also based on the products I buy, companies can learn about, about me. So if I buy, um, if I buy like a, a fireplace screen, then they know that I've got a fireplace or if I buy something for a barbecue or if I buy a, a gardening tool, they know that I've got some grass or I have some bushes, which means they can sell me buy something for a pool they know I've got a pool and they can again sell me related products when those seasons come up but I've I've rarely seen this in Morocco and it's a there's however I think more companies are now going to start thinking about this when they realize whoa customers aren't coming in the door how do we put the word out to our customers when we want to offer a sale how do we let them know they're going to start collecting customers information and initiating the interactions even a business as small as a, a single cafe, they have their regular customers that come every single day, but then they have other customers that come occasionally. And so just collecting people's phone numbers, you could fire off a WhatsApp message to say, 
hey, we're going to be showing the, the Raja Widad match or, you know, catch the, the next Arsenal match. We have a special on, you know, these snacks or this appetizer during the match. These kinds of things, just a simple WhatsApp message to get customers' attention. Coming out of coronavirus, if you had all of those customers' phone numbers, you could say, hey, we're doing a big welcome back party, offering a sale on, on every nusness, or hey, we're open again, or we're offering delivery now. If you are craving like your favorite coffee but can't get it, call us, you know, we'll bring it to your door. Most cafes have no way of contacting their customers. And I think coming out of it, they'll be thinking, wow, that was a mistake we've made. We need to rectify that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we've talked about this in the past, the, the importance of owning the customer information and the relationship and figuring out a ways to have their, their name, their phone number, their email address so that we can have a personal interaction with them. And we've been accumulating a list for some time now. And as of right now, we're just updating people and letting them know about new content. But one day that list could be, could be valuable in terms of reaching new customers for some of our products or services. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you're completely right about the, the billboard thing. I don't know if it's going to come back as strong as it was, but if we got some entrepreneurs in the audience, they should be thinking, what are some new and innovative ways to use this space? You know, the billboards are empty. I'll bet you that if you call these companies, they're willing to talk to somebody who has some new ideas. Are you an entrepreneur? You want to get in the business of advertising? You got some great ideas? Call up these companies and say, hey, look, I noticed that a lot of your billboards are empty. Why don't you try this? Or why don't you try supporting this new customer and then get them up and running and then, you know, maybe they'll be a, a committed customer for you in the future. I, I don't have the answers, but I do know, I see, like you mentioned, see an opportunity. You have retail mm -hmm. space, it's empty. Yeah. Think of something new, get innovative, try to reach new people. Yeah. Um, so step number five, to recovering well from this coronavirus pandemic is cut your expenses. You've got to figure out what is necessary, what is unnecessary. This pandemic is a perfect time to renegotiate your contracts. Do you have a lease? Do you have a rental agreement for vehicles or equipment or for space, office space, retail space? Then it's a perfect time to renegotiate because it's a problem, you're gonna try and stay in business, you need as long a runway as possible. Looking for new suppliers. There are new businesses that are coming online right now and they're offering new products and services. You gotta look around. Now I know loyalty and relationship is a big important thing in Morocco, but if it means your business is gonna die if you keep the same suppliers, then you need to do something else and look for new suppliers. Um, in your industry. Some yeah, there's definitely companies that haven't followed the, our first advice, which is customer is king. And so if you're a business and you feel like some of your suppliers haven't been treating you with uh, the, the respect or the, the treatment that you deserve, then maybe now's the time to make a switch. You look for new businesses that have cropped up or others that you knew existed, but maybe now's the chance to, to switch over in order to reduce your expenses in order to survive. Yeah, and if you're a business and you've had to lay off people, fire people during this pandemic, maybe as you're restarting, you don't go back hiring people full time, but you 
you try to use independent contractors as much as possible. Use auto entrepreneurs and independent contractors to provide your products and services instead of hiring full-time employees right away. Nobody knows what's gonna happen when the economy opens, how long it's gonna take for activity to resume, for the economy to grow. Uh, you need to be cautious. You need to reduce your risks. And reducing your expenses is absolutely vital to staying alive as a business and um, taking advantage of opportunities that come you know, in the months ahead. Yeah, I think business travel, even once it's open, even once the uh, airports and borders are open again, business travel will be severely reduced because I think tons of organizations and companies have realized, yes, there's value in meeting face-to-face. -face. We're humans. We need interaction. There is relationship there. But we can also get a lot of the value just from meeting online. And so do we need people to all fly to Dubai to, to interact face-to-face? -face? Do we have to have these conferences in Singapore or in in Johannesburg or in New York? Do we really need to be spending all this money bringing people together or can we reduce that? Can we do shift a lot of that to online? Can we meet face-to-face -face only every other time? I think business travel is gonna be severely reduced because people recognize most of the value can be gleaned from just a, an online. Yeah, and that goes right back to you know pivoting. If you are reliant on business travelers, if your business services business travelers or tourism, you have got to pivot. You've got to change what you're doing because yes, are tourists gonna come back to Morocco? Of course, but it could take a long time. You know, my generation has never really experienced well, the last like three generations have never really experienced a very, very severe downtrend economically since the 1930s. You know, 2008 was, was bad, but it really only lasted, you know, 18 months or so. And, and, and the current economic situation is already worse than it was in 08 or, or even after 9-11. So resiliency, durability, Reduce your expenses, reach new customers, offer new products and services. Um, and remember that the customer is a king. Customers, you got to keep them, even if it just means breaking even. You got to offer something to entice new customers in so that you can take advantage of those relationships in the long run.